There's a saying, and it's true. Uh, once you pulled the trigger, you can't put the bullet back in the chamber. Uh, the trigger's been pulled. Listen, the world events are heading to their conclusion, and what's coming won't be pleasant unless, unless you understand and know the one who is coming. So let's think through this. Iran and Hamas have never made a secret of their desire to utterly destroy Israel. Uh, their strategy begins by forcing Israel into a no-win situation. And let me tell you, everything is connected. What's going on in Israel right now and all the other world events. So let's continue. On October 7, uh, they launched a massive attack knowing it would provoke Israel into a massive response. Uh, their ultimate defense against the Israeli military is, listen to this and you know it if you've been following anything, it's world opinion. They believed they could tap deep wells of anti-Semitism uh, heretofore hidden from view. Uh, they knew, for instance, that hatred of Jews runs rampant in the Middle East, at the UN, and among the large and growing populations of the Middle Eastern migrants to Europe and even uh, the US. But I suspect that even they were surprised at the level of hatred for Jews that now permeates American college campuses. Uh, most people see education as a universal remedy against prejudice, but listen, uh, that's foolishness. We know the only universal remedy against prejudice is Jesus Christ. Uh, but the fallacy of their thoughts of education, the world's view, the thoughts of education as a remedy against prejudice, uh, it, it becomes apparent with only a moment's reflection. Clearly it depends on the educators. In the years leading up to Hitler, the Nazis, World War II, and the Holocaust, Germany was one of the best educated nations on the earth. Yet, they gassed masses of people and threw them into ovens. They lined Jews with big holes at the, uh, in the ground on one side and firing squads on the other. It was German efficiency all over again. As the firing squad executed them, they fell directly into the mass graves. Any that might have survived the shooting were smothered as bulldozers covered the pit with dirt. Uh, the Germans of the 1930s and 40s were educated, they were smart, they were efficient. Educated to hate Jews, smart enough to take power and efficient enough to kill six million Jews and thrust the world into war. Iran and Hamas counted on that same unreasoning, unrelenting hatred of Jews to again raise its ugly head on their behalf. And it has, all over the world. They put a nation that desperately longs for peace in a no-win scenario. The brutality of the attack meant that either Israel would respond in force or be destroyed by repeated waves of terror attacks. So they responded in force. Uh, and almost immediately the world cried out against them for defending themselves. As a game plan, the no-win scenario is not new. Yasser Arafat and the PLO used a similar strategy against Israel for decades. Israel must fight back or die, but in fighting back, it creates more enemies. The strategy also places rank-and-file Palestinians in a no-win situation. Their lives, livelihoods, and their families are put at extreme risk with every Hamas attack against Israel. On November 2nd, Dr. Ellie David posted the video of a grieving Palestinian woman in Gaza. She cries out, 
All this is because of the dogs of Hamas. And as the video rolls, we see men immediately silence her, literally covering her mouth. I shudder to think what they did to her uh, went out of sight of the camera. The terror written into the faces of the women near her tells me that they too expected the worst. Uh, to the bringers of war, uh, the suffering of regular Palestinians is just another PR tool to use against their enemy. In the past, Hamas used missile launches into Israeli schools, residential neighborhoods, uh, business districts, and on down the list. They also used their terror tunnels to get suicide bombers and other terrorists who were on the suicide mission into Israel where their mission was to kill, 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 create mayhem, uh, pain, panic, and fear in any way they possibly could. This time, they did those things and even more. Uh, children throwing rocks uh, can be dealt with as a, as a law enforcement issue. But the invasion of missiles, gunmen, and bombs, and acts of war, as such, they must be dealt with militarily. Uh, when a neighboring people lob missiles at your people, and when they cannot be stopped through negotiation, that nation must respond with violent force. Listen to the sequence of the Iran-Hamas strategy. Let me tell you something. I promise you this is all going somewhere. And as I mentioned, somewhere nobody's really talking about. So uh, the attack uh, on Israel, uh, it was meant to be this strategy in every way possible. Use missiles, suicide bombers, gunmen on motorcycles, and powered hang gliders, strafing kids at a music festival, burn families alive, randomly shoot up residential neighborhoods, and use knives on babies and their mothers. It continues from there. Make sure the attack on Israel is so egregious that Israel must respond with overwhelming military force. So Israel responds. It does what it must do in order to protect its people. Hamas cries genocide. It shows pictures of children in the rubble of bombed out buildings. It shows grieving mothers. Continuing, the cameras only point toward destruction and blames Israel, not mentioning the fact that it is Hamas that caused the suffering, not Israel. The world's media eats it up. Hamas uses civilians as human shields. Uh, they keep casualty counts as high as possible by forcing their own citizens to stay in the combat zones. Continuing, I mean, it's just following the sequence. What happens? Anti-Semites say, see, Hitler was right. And they begin to march in the streets while threatening the lives of Jews everywhere. Uh, people who are not anti-Semitic, but know little about the real situation, feel repulsed by the images of suffering they see coming out of Gaza. Some of them join the marches. Uh, they are motivated by desire for human rights and uh, human dignity, not knowing that they have joined in support for people who care nothing about rights, dignity, fairness, or justice. The marches become bigger and more intense. Another group of people want nothing to do with any part of it. The media has confused them with conflicting reports. It frustrates them to think of money spent to help Israel when debts at home are high and uh, their unfinished business here that needs to be taken care of. They say, Hey, if they want to fight it out among themselves, let them. But don't spend any of my tax money helping either side. Fearful politicians begin to turn against Israel, at first calling for a pause in the fighting, then a ceasefire, 
and then demanding peace at all costs. International calls for instant peace put Israel on a clock. Because of Israel's perceived dependence on U.S. military aid, the Israelis are especially mindful about what is said in America. They work quickly, but time runs out. Israel stops. In the past, they've always stopped too soon. Uh, before they destroyed the other people's side to control the people and renew their war. Hamas stays in charge. In the aftermath of war, aid comes from everywhere to rebuild Gaza. With that aid, the world rearms the Hamas terror machine. Iran and its axis of evil partners smuggle weapons and components of weapons into Gaza. The cycle comes around to war once again. When it feels strong enough, Hamas again attacks Israel, provoking as much anger and violence as they can. They again create a high body count among their own people in Gaza. They want lots of civilian casualties, particularly among children. Again, the world puts Israel on a clock. Again, Israel pulls out before finishing the job, and that failure ensures that the cycle will continue. And the winner is Iran, and the losers are everyone else. So let's go a little bit further. Hamas and Iran have repeatedly shown that they care nothing about civilian casualties. Iranian leaders are far away. Uh, they make their proxies do their fighting. Surprisingly, senior Hamas leaders act in much the same way. Their top leaders do not live in Gaza. They live in Qatar and they live in luxury. Musa Abu Marzouk is a high-ranking Hamas official. Now, now listen to this. Some intelligence sources believe he is second in command of Hamas. He was interviewed recently on Lebanese TV, and you got to hear these words. Did the interviewer and TV crew enter Gaza? No, he wasn't in Gaza. They went to the man's home in Doha, Qatar. Now the TV interviewer asked Marzouk, when you built 500 kilometers or kilometers of tunnels in Gaza, why didn't you build shelters for civilians from the attacks? That's a good question. Marzouk replies emphatically, the tunnels are for us, for Hamas. The citizens in the Gaza Strip are under the responsibility of the UN. Boy, talk about politics and everything. Okay, check this out. Listen to the more of the conversation. In the same interview, Marzouk showed why Israel has no choice but to crush Hamas. He said October 7 was just the first time, and there will be a second, a third, and a fourth, a, a scourge that will continue to haunt Israel. The interviewer asked if Hamas wants to annihilate Israel. Yes, of course, he replied. How do you make peace with that? Israel's critics call Gaza an open-air prison, but it is Hamas holding the people of Gaza as prisoners. It is Hamas that restricts them from leaving their war zones. And Hamas that does not allow its citizens to cross into Egypt. Hamas and Iran see suffering Palestinians as the currency with which they can buy sympathy to stop Israel now. And they know that sympathy in the future will bring them weapons for their cause and money for their pockets. So. They make sure there's as much suffering, that is as much currency as possible among their own people. We now stand at a critical stage. President Biden and Secretary of State Blinken at first 
emphasized that Israel not only had a right to attack Hamas in Gaza, but an obligation. Listen, it was not sincere. We told you it wasn't sincere from the very beginning. I don't believe the U.S. administration could be trusted in any of this. Listen, Biden has now exposed himself as a traitor of Israel as he is calling for a pause in Israel's efforts in Gaza. Will peace ever come to the region? Yes, twice it's gonna come to the region. First, when Antichrist offers a false peace plan, a false peace which grows more attractive with every uprising and every spasm of Mideast violence. I believe we are watching the setup for that false covenant. Uh, Listen, think through this with me. Everything we are watching right now is coming together and Israel is the bullseye. Listen, the the, the trigger's been pulled. Uh, The bullet's out of the chamber. All of the events are going to be fulfilled. Destruction is coming. And I firmly believe that the talking points that are gonna come out of this current war are gonna be used at a future date. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, maybe not even six months from now, but a day is coming when the talking points are gonna come to Israel and against Israel, and a deal's gonna be made with the devil. And the talking point is gonna go something like this. As you Jews say, never again thinking of the Holocaust, we, the world leaders, with the pressure on Israel, are gonna say, never again can we allow things to escalate like this. There must be a two-state solution. We're willing to offer you a peace and security plan because we cannot have something like this again We can't have World War III, and everybody knows you Jews are the problem. Israel is going to be put into a position. They're going to be led by men, Isaiah chapter 28. They're going to be scornful, and they're going to enter into an agreement. It's going to be that bad covenant, that false covenant with Antichrist. Listen, the trigger's been pulled. It's all going there. So there's that peace plan. However, here's the great peace plan the real one, not long after that. Listen, seven years total, real peace is coming to Israel and the world, not in the form of a treaty, but in the form of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He is coming again. Listen, all these things that are taking place, it's not a coincidence that the Bible just happened to give us insight of what the last days were going to look like how the events would start to escalate in Israel. And they're going to continue to escalate until that day. But in all of this, we know that God keeps his promises. Jesus is coming, and he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. So listen, look up and lift up your head as we see everything come together. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, listen, ask him to forgive you of your sins. The fact that all of these events are escalating the way that the Bible describes is not a coincidence. The Bible is given to us so that we can know. Bible prophecy, just as we can see the events of the second coming of Christ coming about, listen, Bible prophecy has proven in the past. Every prophecy about Christ's first coming happen exactly like the Bible says, so that we can know his words are true. Where Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And as the Bible also says, there's no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. Listen, call out to Jesus Christ. He will forgive anyone who will come to him. 
And that is what matters most, that you know Jesus, that you are forgiven of your sins. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.